0: TED Audio Collective. Hi, TED Health listeners. It's Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter. Today, something a little different. It's an excerpt from an episode of the TED Radio Hour. We thought you'd enjoy this idea in particular. To hear much more, you can follow the TED Radio Hour wherever you're listening to this. They've just released a fantastic series called Work, Play, Rest, all about how much these three things are changing and influencing our lives. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on fitness trends. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in active lifestyle, healthy eating, wearable tech and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas that you believe in.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Support for this podcast comes from the Wonderful
2: Company. If that name doesn't sound familiar to you, you probably know the pistachios that come from this company. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts get snackin' and get crackin' with a snack that packs a protein punch. I love the various wonderful pistachio flavors. So in addition to the original flavor, I'm particularly fond of the salt and vinegar, and I keep little packets of them in my car so that I can eat and get some protein on the run. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more.
3: goes well beyond a good nap or a full night's sleep. For some animals, a more extreme form of rest comes to them every winter.
4: When we talk about hibernation, what we really mean is to do what squirrels or bears or hamster bats, does all these animals do in winter when they don't have enough resources, enough food or water.
3: Matteo Cherry is a professor at the University of Bologna, where he studies hibernation.
4: They change what they need from the environment by entering this very, very special state. So it's a bit more like a standby on a TV screen or on a computer.
3: And to put their body on standby, Matteo says that animals first have to find the right spot.
4: So what you're looking for is a place where you could be safe from predators, potentially invisible to the rest of the environment, where you can just wait, a place where you can be cozy and safe.
3: Then the body, heart, lungs, brain slow down to a creep. And there's a word for it.
4: Yes, we call that torpor. So, torpor is the technical word that refers to a low metabolic state. And sometimes I say to my students, it's like a, a metabolic austerity. You don't spend anything more than what is strictly needed to exist. Uh, you could think of hibernation, or, or torpor more correctly, as the natural state that may be the closer to death Without actually you know going over
3: Okay, so those are the basics of hibernation. but here's the thing about Matteo.
4: I'm actually working on trying to replicate or simulate uh, hibernation uh, for human use.
3: Yeah, human hibernation. Matteo was studying whether it would be possible to put people into this extreme state of torpor.
4: I would say there is a clear path to to try to reach this goal.
3: Okay, Matteo, I understand why animals would hibernate, but you think that there are reasons why humans would want to hibernate.
4: That's absolutely what we're thinking. <laughs> it's a basket full of resources for medicine, for space travel... And it could really exploit a different state of the body, a different physiology that we are starting out to unraveling and understanding in deeper detail and could lead to potentially disruptive application. I know disruptive is a, is a hype <laughs> word and maybe is counterproductive to say it, but I really think it would be disruptive.
3: Well, yeah, it, it definitely sounds disruptive. Um, but OK, so let's start with space travel. You are working with the European Space Agency on on this problem, figuring out how astronauts could travel years, even decades, into deep space, which would be really hard on the human body.
4: Yeah, having a trip that lasts, let's say, a decade in space, you have to imagine yourself, you are in in a very confined space, night and day. Every time, every minute, every hour. So that is pretty stressful. Mm. And then there are other problems. Your strength, your structure of your body. So muscle will become weak because of the lack of gravity. Mm. And as well for your bone, if they will not be able to keep you standing against the gravity of another planet, how are you going to stand or walk? Mm. Then there is the problem of radiation. So the amount of radiation you will get for this kind of trip, there's too, just too much. Unless we find some way to reduce this damage or protect ourselves from the damage.
3: Okay, so that's a lot of problems. But you think hibernation could do that, could could work as protection?
4: That's absolutely right. First thing, obviously, you don't need that much food and water and resources when you're hibernated. And you don't produce much biological waste as well, so all of that is cleaner. Your muscle and, and your and your bone will probably preserve much of their structure and their and their strength. And finally, hibernation gives cell an interesting um, defense against radiation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't reduce apparently the damage radiation do to tissues, but he helped tissue repair those damage in a much better way than if we were not hibernated.
3: Wow, that is fascinating. Uh, but I don't think that many of us have plans to travel to Mars anytime soon. <laughs> I will say though, you are making me fantasize about going into hibernation for a uh, my next long haul flight—is that possible? Could we maybe one day put ourselves into a state of hibernation and wake up in a different time zone, feeling pretty
4: good? That would be great. That would be fantastic. I I hate long flights, so uh, I have a um, I had a friend who is um, like a trader in in the stock market. He, he was asking me. Could we go into torpor when the market goes down and wake up (laughs) when the market goes up? (laughs) So it it will all depend on how easy and risky the technology would be. Uh, But why put a limit to our hope?
3: Now, you may be thinking at this point, Okay, hibernation sounds cool, useful. But is it even possible in humans? And has it ever been done before? The answer is no, not yet. But researchers like Mateo are intrigued by stories of people entering a sort of state of torpor, including one published in 1800 about an entire village in Russia that would sleep through the winter.
4: There is a Russian term for this winter sleep. It's called lochka I don't know if I pronounce it correctly. And apparently those uh, peasants and villagers were gathering together in this large house in the center of the town to sleep the winter off together, just sleeping there uh, waiting for spring to come.
3: Oh, I mean, that's, whether it's true or not, that is a, a beautiful story. It's like a fairy tale. But there is a, a famous story from the neurologist Oliver Sacks about a man that he called Uncle Toby, right?
4: Yes, Definitely. Oliver Sacks. He was visiting a family for, you no, know, on site for some other question, and and he noticed this person, like he said, like icy frozen, uh, still alive though, with a temperature body temperature of um, sixty nine Fahrenheit, so about twenty Celsius.
3: Yikes, cold.
4: Yes, and ask what happened to him, and they say, well, this is Uncle Toby, and uh, seven years ago, he just. Um, it's just stopped. He, he lives with us. We take care of him. We feed him. We shave him. We dress him. Mm. Uh, but he just stands there. So he suspected um, hypothyroidism as a possible cause of this strange behavior and proposed to treat them with, with thyroid hormone at the time was available. Um, and the family agree. And, and Uncle Toby, actually, he woke up. Uh, so you hmm. give him the drug, and he wakes up, and he doesn't remember the seven years that, that were passed. But then, and that, that would be a, a good ending story. But the story actually is is not it's sad in in his end because Uncle Toby had a cancer, hmm. a small cell lung cancer, and uh, and the cancer woke up with him, and then it killed him in a in a few months.
3: So does that mean that when Uncle Toby was in this sort of stupor that maybe not only did he go to sleep, but maybe the cancer went to sleep during that time?
4: Yes, that is exactly the point. The idea is that the cancer and Uncle Toby had found a way to, to live both. So a uh, provocative hypothesis would be that the cancer actually produces something that unlocked the ability of the brain to... Enter torpor hmm. and then, therefore, the body enter torpor and therefore the cancer stops growing because that's what happened in torpor. The cancer usually stop growing and they both stay that way. Uh, hmm. And once we awake uh, Uncle Toby, we also awake uh, the cancer and uh, and the story ends.
3: So, when we hear that story, does it tell us something about the way that? Putting humans into hibernation or torpor might be used when it comes to treating uh, something as aggressive and active as uh, mutations in cells, cancer.
4: It could be. It could be used for for this kind of um, clinical condition. Um, even more pressing would be for someone waiting for an organ transplant. they or are about. Mm. Um, 50 people pretty much every day between the Euro- within Europe and the United States died because of lack of organ. So if you could suspend them, now slowing their metabolism down, then you increase their chances to potentially find uh, an organ. Mm. But in the case of Ankle Stobie's story, the important part for us is that there seems to be a way in which the brain can be made induce hibernation, can be reactivating this old state, even in humans. And um, so it, it would be feasible. That, that's what we hope for.
3: I mean, do you imagine wings of hospitals filled with patients who are resting in a state of torpor waiting for their cancer treatment or waiting for an organ transplant? Is that something that might happen?
4: yes yes that's that's what I envision,
3: so, how would we do this, whether you know it is for space travel or for medicine or any number of purposes, like how would you put people into this state of hibernation
4: so So far, the greatest results were to induce into a state that very much resemble hibernation animals that are not able to enter hibernation or torpor, and we call. Uh, I call personally this state synthetic torpor.
3: Oh, so you induce this in in animals in the lab.
4: Yes, and we were able to do it uh, by uh, silencing the activity of a little group of neurons in the very old part of our brain. In the past 10 years, there have been amazing discovery in the field. We have now a better idea of the brain network that control torpor, We have uncovered other hotspots that could be target for inducing torpor. Um, So a lot of exciting thing happened uh, in the really in the last ten years.
3: So can we talk about waking up? What what it? I I had the pleasure of having a routine uh, procedure earlier this week where I was put under general anesthesia, and it is just the weirdest thing coming out of it. You're like, wait. Where was I for the last half hour? What would waking up from this state of torpor or hibernation be like?
4: Uh, it's uh, the most dangerous part, I would say, of hibernation, and oh. and there is really little that we know about how does animal wakes up. The Arctic ground squirrel, his brain is at minus one Celsius. How? Is this brain able to bring the body back to normal? And that's still quite unknown. But what we see is definitely, a, for, especially for the brain, is uh, the most plastic state I've ever seen as a neurophysiologist. So synapses mm. get form and reform is a neurostorm of molecules, of active brain molecules uh, so it could be something about uh, like dreaming or it could provide you sensation of dreamlike state, uh, my guess. Uh, maybe it's even pleasurable. We we don't know. Or maybe not. But uh, after you wake up, I would say you will also be very, very sleepy. You need to sleep after hibernation. The reason why still mystery, like... The entire time you spent in torpor was sleep deprivation.
3: So you need to rest after your big rest.
4: Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's hard to tell that hibernation is rest. It's it's, um, suspension. Uh, You are retiring from the game of life for a little bit of time.
3: That's neurophysiologist and hibernation researcher Matteo Cherry. He's part of our three-part series, Work, Play, Rest. You can find the whole series and many more TED Radio Hour episodes at npr.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Manoush Zamarodi and thanks so much for listening.
1: You're growing a business, and you can't afford to slow down.